to the Sideboard Show. Our first guest is creator of two comic books, John Lehman. <laughs> Our second guest is the writer of the singular, Dennis Finnegan. <laughs> now you see, the musical guest is Misfit. The music's by Chico's Vibe. I'm your guest host, Bill Cosby. And now, St. Lord himself, Matt Kelly. <laughs> Okay, okay, thank you guys. Okay, we got a big show tonight. We've got John Lehman, creator of Chew, which is one of my favorite comic books ever. Uh, my old high school film teacher, Dennis Finicaro, comes by to talk about his book, The Z Word. And then we get a musical performance of my friend slash rapper, Misfit, uh, also known as Chris Lawrence. Um, uh, before we do all this, though, I think it's important... To make sure that we check up on how my brother's doing. Hello, say Mark. Is is that who who I think it is? It is. It's me, your old pal, old timey radio announcer. I want to come back, say Mark. I don't know old timey. It hurt me a lot. Listen, that's really important to me. It's hard for a buddy like me to find a job. I just don't like to see that pain. Say Mark, I've missed you so. I acted harshly when I left. Okay. Okay. Welcome back. Buddy. Oh boy, thank you, pal. Let's celebrate, everybody. This is this is. I didn't know this was gonna happen. Okay. Let's, let's see how my brother's doing. Let's go check up on Brian. Make us laugh, make us cry. Just figure how Brian's doing today. See if he's in a bind Maybe he's doing fine Let's be sure that Brian is okay yeah. We want to make sure that he's well If not, let's make him feel swell Let's just see how Brian is today. Make sure that everything's okay. Brian, how you doing today? I can't think of any more. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go check up on Brian. Make us laugh, make us cry Just figure how Brian's doing today See if he's in a bind Maybe he's doing fine Let's be sure that Brian is okay Want to make sure that he's well 
If not, let's make him feel swell Let's just see how Brian is today Make sure that everything's okay All right, we're back. Uh, next up on our segment, Skyping with the Stars, we have the creator of Chew, John Hello. Lehman. How you doing, America and the world and the internet? <laughs> uh, I have to start off by saying that Chew was and still is my favorite comic uh, being published right now. Uh, last year, when the website that I write for was doing our top ten comics of the year, Chew was my number one. Oh, beautiful. Thank a you. Well, a well-deserved Eisner Award for Best New Series. Um, where did you come up with this concept? No idea. <laughs> I, you know, I, I had pitched it for a super long time, and nobody wanted it. And it, it, you know, it was really about four or five years before it got off the ground to the point where I can't remember. Like, you know, I'm sure that when Bird Flu Hysteria was around, you know, that had... had part of it but the actual sort of cannibal cop idea no idea well i think which is sad you know I, I get asked this all the time and i wish i had a had a story but i don't well that first issue um specifically i always i always try to explain this comic to people and normally after i explain to them they end up buying it and liking it but i always tell them like the concept is so ridiculous that it feels like every issue, he just throws more random shit your way, but because of how ridiculous the concept is in the first place, you just buy into it. Like, okay, sure, there's vampires now. Like, well, you know, there are rules. I mean, I, every once in a while I get people suggesting story ideas, and they're like, you should do this. And I'm like, no, that doesn't really, you know, work within the universe. And, and so even if, I don't, even if I don't have the words to explain what the rules are, I know what they are. <laughs> Now, a lot of artists, uh, I'm friends with the creator of a really short comic book series called uh, Bizarre New World, and when you read it, uh, his name's Skipper Martin, when you, when you read that comic, it's very clear that the main character is based on Skipper Martin. Do you, are any of the characters in Chew kind of based on you at all, or do you completely... Oh, no, not, I've got nothing to do with any of them. So you're not a cannibal, is what you're saying? No, no, or anybody else. <laughs> Now, the artwork, I think, is another really interesting piece of the puzzle. How did you get hooked up with the artist? Uh, we got introduced by uh, a, uh, another writer who had been working on a Tokyo Bop book that got uh, scuttled. And I had been looking for an artist for, for quite a while at that point, for, for probably you know, a year or more. And you know, hitting up my, my pro friends, and, uh, and no one was really right. I wanted someone you know, kind of bouncy and fun because... I was getting kind of serious artists, and if, if it would make it a completely different book, and uh, I wanted to sort of offset the, you know, the grossness with with a fun artist, and so this guy introduced me and uh, introduced Rob and I, and Rob had uh, a lot of different styles on his website, and uh, originally when he had found out I pitched this to Vertigo, he turned in a very Vertigo test page, and I thought, ooh, this guy is not right, and I pointed it out him out at pointed out. Um, some very sort of animated art from his website and said, this is what I like. And he said, oh, that's my style. You know, no one's ever asked me to draw in my style. They tell me to draw 
like this person or that person. So really, I just you know freed up Rob to to draw like himself. Yeah, it, it, like you said, it does add that character to it. It it adds. I mean, it's already a funny story, but in those horrible moments where Chu's forced to eat something really gross, the animation style makes it bearable to read. Yeah, and and I have a, a problem with a lot of books where uh, I feel like too many comic books. Uh, most comic books take themselves too seriously. And, you know, superheroes are really fundamentally dumb. And, and, and which means the majority of comic books are fundamentally dumb. And people can't see that and they can't smile and, you know, sort of laugh at the silliness of it. And I wanted to have a comic book that, uh, you know, never wasn't afraid to laugh at itself. I, I used a double negative. Uh, uh, that, uh, that wasn't afraid to, to laugh at itself. You know, and sort of, uh, you know, it's it's ridiculous, but, you know, is it any more ridiculous than Batman? <laughs> well, and I think you make a point. I, I think as as popular as, as the Spider-Man and the Superman and Batman comics are always going to be, I feel like a lot of people do gravitate towards Chu or, or to a superhero extent like a Deadpool or, or something where it's just, it's a tension reliever. It's just like, okay... You know, I'm a 20-something-year-old guy reading comic books. Like, give me something yeah. to laugh about. <laughs> like, this is kind of, it's well, kind I, of a childish I also thing. Think the seriousness of comic books are off-putting. And, and to the average non-comic book reader, you hand them, you know, an issue of whatever. And they're like, wow, this it's a guy in his underwear running around punching each other. That's stupid, and it takes itself really seriously. And people want to like comic books. And here you give them something that... You know, it's fun. You can smile. You can laugh with it. You you know, you get some. It, you can get grossed out, but laugh at the same time. And uh, it's proven to be very accessible. Now, I've read that um, Chu is possibly being picked up as a television series. Is this as far as I know, it's been picked up by Showtime. You know, the 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 um, Showtime could come back tomorrow and say we've you know we've changed our mind or you know some. I'm a pessimist, but as far as I know. It's not probably. It has been picked up by Showtime. Well, that's awesome, and I think that's a really great venue. That that to me is even a better venue than Walking Dead to AMC. Yeah, because yeah, I, because I think Showtime Showtime. I mean, all their shows have been hitting it out of the park lately. I mean, Dexter's still one of the most brilliant shows out there, and I think Chew would fit in really well amongst those type of shows. Yeah, I agree. I mean. Dexter, Weeds, Californication, all of that, even uh, Nurse Jackie is all sort of, um, you know, subversive for a, a rated R audience and uh, sort of a cannibal cop for a good cause played <laughs> as a comedy could, could fit right in. Uh, now, do you have anything to do with the TV show? Uh, Robert Kirkman, you know, has a lot, has, you know, is right on board with The Walking we're, Dead. Are they we're waiting to see what my involvement is. I mean, they're, they're still... You know, deals being hashed out, and this is this is sort of an ongoing process. And uh, you know, I've made it clear that I would I would love to, not at the expense of the comic book, but you know, yeah, I would love to, you know, contribute story ideas and sort of uh, you know guide the thing in the way that Kirkman is, and and the fact that Circle helped put together uh, Circle of Confusion, uh, who sold Chu, also sold Powers and Walking Dead. So uh, hopefully. You know, they, they, uh, the networks are seeing the benefit of creator involvement, and uh, hopefully that'll translate into, into me. Nice. Um, 
Now, I follow you on Facebook and Twitter as well, and you've been talking about writing a script as well. Was that the Choose pilot, or are you writing something else as well? Oh, no, no. I was, uh, oh my god, I, I got about five issues ahead on Chew in the beginning of 2010, and then I started taking all this other work because I was so far ahead. So I, I've written uh, this three-part Marvel annuals called Identity Wars, which is Spider-Man's annual coming out next week, Deadpool and the Hulk. And it's this sort of uh, uh, alternate dimension crossover where they each kind of meet their opposites, but they're all opposites in completely different ways. Uh, I'm doing a, a five-issue Godzilla series, uh, not to be confused with the ongoing Godzilla series that had 800 covers that I DW put out. Um, <laughs> mine's more like a um, sort of a, a, a cross between a Hong Kong cop gangster movie with a Japanese monster movie. Uh, I love Asian cinema, so I'm, it's, it's called Gangsters and Goliaths, and it's, uh, it's about a, a wronged, framed cop who gets hold of the Mothra twins and uses them to control <laughs> Mothra to get revenge on the Tokyo crime families. That sounds brilliant. So, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's pretty fun, and the art is just spectacular by uh, uh, Alberto Ponticelli, who did uh, Unknown Soldier, and uh, Jay Photos, who colors Lock and Key, which is one of my favorite books. And then I'm uh, doing this other thing that hasn't been announced, but it's, uh, uh, it's with Sam Keith. And Sam Keith and I are good friends, and we've wanted to work together for a long time. So that was the giant script that I finally wrapped up. And there's a few little noodly changes I have to do. But for the most part, I am back on Chew now for a while. Nice. Um, you writing Amazing Spider-Man, anything related to Amazing Spider-Man and Deadpool, I, I'm already excited about. Because I think you have the sense of humor to really make those work. Yeah, the Deadpool one, I'm really happy with it. The, the, the Spider-Man, I'm going to... I'm not not to say I'm unhappy with it, but when you're setting up a 90, each annual was supposed to be self-contained and yet be a crossover, so it was very difficult, and all the stuff got set up during the Spider-Man annual, so I didn't, I wasn't free to just you know have balls out fun until the Deadpool annual, which is which is going to be nuts, and uh, <laughs> so yeah, we'll see. Each one's. You know the 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 Spider-Man one has heart. The Deadpool one is is wacky, and the the Hulk one is is you know visceral, brutal. You know, smash them up, which you know is appropriate to each character. Now, when's this? Um, do you have a? You know, obviously nothing set in stone in the world of comic books, but the the Godzilla Hong Kong cop. Oh, it's been uh, solicited. It's coming in June. June? Five issues. Yep. All right. Awesome. With a Jeff Darrow cover. Uh, the website that, that this podcast is hosted on is uh, geekscape.net, and we have a bunch of other stuff. But there's a thing that we do every year. Uh, every year that the site's been up, we do a thing called a gauntlet, which I think you would enjoy, where it's literally get a group of people together and get like five or six of the shittiest like mom and pops discount video store horror movies and just sit down and see who can last the longest oh, wow. through all of them. We call it the gauntlet, but uh, it, it seems like something that might be up your alley if you're into those just random well, kung fu. I uh, do, but I tend to watch my movies at speed and a half. Uh, <laughs> that way I feel like uh, my life is less wasted. That's how I watched Silent Movie the other day, because I figured I didn't need to listen to what they were saying. 
Yeah. Yeah, I put it on caption and and that that's sort of my gauge. I sit down with a movie and it's and my fingers pressed on the the speed and a half and and as soon as I I press the, the the you know, that button it's sort of lost me to an extent. So when I when I get through an entire movie that I don't press that button on, it's like, well, this is probably one to buy for the permanent collection. <laughs> And the uh, last one that made that cut was The Good, The Bad, and The Weird, which I completely recommend. I'll have to check that one out. I, I, I haven't even heard of that one. I'll definitely have to check that out. It's the most expensive Korean movie ever made, and it's a, it's a remake of Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, but with nonstop Indiana Jones-type action. Oh, I mean, it's, sweet. It's, yeah, it's <laughs> balls out crazy and beautiful. And there's like a 20-minute chase. Uh, towards the end in the desert with horses and motorcycles and jeeps with guns and it just it goes on forever and it's just incredible now last question i have is um does i'd imagine that chu eventually has an end point yeah issue 60 that's that has been set in stone and that will never change i mean and i kind of like that more because as much as i love walking dead it gets to that point where it's just like, how many times is this going to repeat yes. these characters having the same problem and then fixing it and having the problem again before it's over? Yeah, uh, I completely agree. I mean, Kirkman said, oh, you know, you got a hit. Why not run it forever? And it's because I'm writing a serialized novel. I am I am working <laughs> towards an ending, and I know what the ending is, and Rob knows what the ending is. And, uh, you know, we don't know what's going to happen issue to issue, but we know milestones, and we know what has to happen to get us to the end. And I think those are the things that stand the test of time a little bit more. Like, people, everyone knows Spider-Man, everyone knows Batman, but I think people respect and cherish things like Preacher or Why the Last Man more because it's a story. It's a story with a beginning and an end. That's, uh, you know, what I want you to be on the bookshelf next to. Preacher, Why, Transmit, uh... I think Lock and Key is shaping up to be like that. Lock and um, Key is so brilliant. And I was so mad that I took so long to get on yeah, on that same. train. Scalp's a good one. <laughs> uh, I really like The Goon. Uh, Starman is a, a good self-contained series, although it wanders a little bit. Sandman. I'm really liking, um, it's on image with you, uh, I was recommended to read Morning Glories, and I was just, it's like lost the comic book. <laughs> like, it's just... Yeah. But I, yeah, that's I, I hope one it I, has the answers. Yeah, uh, Elephant Man is a really good one that doesn't get the uh, acclaim it deserves. And there's actually, uh, we're going to be having the uh, company that releases it on here soon, but there's a small indie book called Massive Awesome. Oh, uh, never heard of it. It's from an independent Philly comic called uh, 215 Inc. Huh. Uh, they're going to be on a future episode, but they... Um, the comic Massive Awesome might be the most ridiculous comic book concept ever. It's about a kung fu slice of bacon and his best friend that's a pickle that thinks it's a zombie, and they solve murder mysteries. Wow. And But it hmm. was written with the intent of just being like, look, this is going to be a five-issue five series, and we're just going to be ridiculous with it. And it, it should be the dumbest comic you've ever read. And you just but find they pull yourself it off. Laugh, you just find yourself laughing because it's just so outrageous. Hmm. That sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, you might. I mean, the artwork in it, I think, is one of the selling points. But I mean, they're also doing a comic based on a character from Geekscape uh, called Super Action Man, 
who is every 80s action hero wrapped in one. <laughs> <laughs> he just walks awesome. around in his Speedo with the American flag on it and his mullet and sunglasses and fights crime. <laughs> uh, well, thank you for coming by, John. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, everyone should be reading Chew, and I, I say that sincerely. It is one of the funniest, wittiest comics out there. Well, based on sales, I, I kind of think that everyone might be. Nice. Good. <laughs> so, all right, thanks for having me. No problem. Thank you for coming by. Bye. We'll be back after this commercial break. You've already been warned once before. June 19th. Mark your calendars. And we're back. Our next guest is the author of The Z Word, Dennis Finicara. Hello. Uh, now, Dennis and I actually have a long history together, as he used to be my teacher. <laughs> Uh, what was it like educating the man who would one day become podcasting superstar St. Mort? Well, first off, I have to say that I was hoping we wouldn't talk about this. <laughs> Which probably should have been the hint that we wouldn't be talking about it. <laughs> what was it like teaching you? Um, it was probably like, you know people who have a pet rock? Yes. And they try to teach it to do things and it, it really just sits. And then eventually they just give up and say, sit. And it sits. <laughs> That's what it was like teaching you. <laughs> now, the Z word, uh, what is the Z word exactly? Is it like Zardoz or Zodiac? Oh, it's actually Zebra? Zebra. It's a book of zebras. <laughs> yes. The Zebra word is really what it is. It's about <laughs> a lot of zebras that uh, just kind of start eating people's grass and the neighborhood gets mad. You know, because they spend a lot of... You know, like, it's one of those neighborhoods where they really love their grass. Sounds riveting. Yes. It's, okay, so Z actually stands for zombie. And now this isn't a single zombie story, correct? It's a collection of different stories about zombies? Yes, I would actually call it more like flash fiction. You know, it's a bunch of really short stories. Some of them end abruptly. Some of them don't. Um, some of the characters, keep they're just recurring. They keep showing up and uh, either saving the day or ruining it, depending. <laughs> now is there any particular character in the book that you um i mean I, there's a lot of a lot of stories in this book is there any particular characters that you feel especially attached to that uh you know might come up in future writing yeah with that one i would say that zachary there's a there's a character named zachary uh you don't really know his last name it's it's i'll tell you was this is a secret but his last name is actually ward W-A-R-D? Yeah. <laughs> so then later, you know, maybe I'll just name, maybe I'll pretend like the next book is called the Z, Z Ward. <laughs> but uh, no, he's actually, uh, I love his character because he's, um, he's like the classic nerd, uh, lives in his grandmother's basement. <laughs> Not that I know anybody like that, but he lives in his grandmother's basement. And what he does is, uh, he eventually decides he gets bigger dreams and wants to move to California. No, that's that's actually a different nerd. <laughs> I know, but um, no, this he he lives in his grandmother's basement and he loves zombie culture. He reads every zombie book. He watches all the movies, and one day he looks outside to see that the zombie apocalypse has happened, and uh, he basically uses his knowledge of zombies from pop culture to become the most violent zombie killer in the story. So he actually is recurring. He's one of the ones that shows up here and there. He saves the day. But yeah, he uses all of that knowledge of pop culture to save people. And as, as the back of the book says, hopefully meet a girl that will kiss him. <laughs> Except he probably doesn't want, just want to be kissed. 
Now, uh, are you yourself... I mean, obviously you don't hate zombies, but would you consider zombie movies among your favorite of films? Or Because I, I know that you're... I mean, you were a film teacher and you still are a big movie nerd, but I mean, you also like some pretty pretentious stuff, which zombie films normally wouldn't fall in the category of. Yes, I will admit I like Wes Anderson, but... <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I definitely am a zombie fan. I probably wouldn't have thought to sit to get, sit down and just put together all these stories if I didn't love them. I do. I love them. They're, I, I, it's probably one of my favorite kind of movies. Is there any reason for it? I mean, it just seems like... Like, lately there's been a really big zombie resurgence. And I've never really quite understood it myself. Like, I like zombie movies, but I don't like them over any other horror movie. What What is it that draws you to zombies so much? I think it's that idea that, um, well, first off, I, I believe that the zombies will be slow. Yeah. You know, they've got, you've got those two versions of, of movie zombies where some of them are fast and some of them are slow. I think they're slow. Um, and I think there's something just terrifying about how slow they are. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. when, you, when you watch the Night of the Living Dead, when you watch the older ones, when the Romero classics, like, those are the ones that the zombies just are, there's something, you know, you think to yourself, I could just walk by them and shove them out of the way, but you know eventually you get to that point where you're surrounded by them and you're you're kind of out of luck yeah i think there's something about that that i like and i just i've always liked apocalyptic stories you know like i love one of my favorite books was the stand by stephen king um those stories tend to reach to me anyway and there's just something fun about the zombies you know i mean i would say the thing that brought it back for me even though i loved all the romero movies back in the day i would say that my favorite recent one was Shaun of the dead you know that brought him back that's understand, yeah, I, and I think Shaun of the Dead is easily in my top five zombie films. Uh, I might be the only person whose favorite zombie film is Return of the Living Dead, but uh, yeah, the the Romero movies are classics for a reason. Yeah. Um, now you're not a specifically zombie writer, though. No, and it, I don't want to be typecast as that. Uh, do you have? You know, I know this is your first novel. It just came out. It's available on Amazon.com. Um, do you already have plans for the next book? Well, I actually have a book that I wrote before the Z word that was that I've tried sending out there, and I haven't gotten any bites on it yet. But uh, I do, I do have some ideas on how to make it to improve it. And I do think that the story, uh, while it is apocalyptic, there are no zombies in it. So uh, that's my next plan. And I mean, I do have an idea for a sequel. To the Z word that won't be short stories, it'll be one long story, and actually Zachary, the the character Zach, will be a part of it. So, and he does he, this isn't really a spoiler, but he does eventually meet a girl who will kiss him, <laughs> in the stories, and uh, and you know she'd be a part of it. And I mean, I'm not going to give away the end, but the end of this book does kind of give you the idea of what could possibly happen in the future. Well, that's fun. Um, now, what was it like getting uh, publishing? I know. For a first-time writer, it's always a difficult task. Um, did it take a lot of... I would imagine it took a lot of time to find a publisher for something that not just is zomb strictly zombies, but strictly flash fiction zombie stories that are only maybe a page or two long in some cases. Yeah, that, that was difficult. Um, I definitely sent it to a bunch of places. And then I heard about Living Dead Press, which uh, is the one that I eventually went with, and they liked it. Uh, they, they called me and I liked how personal they were. They're like a smaller one, but I just liked how personal they were. It was difficult though. I think that 
every writer, whether they're a New York Times bestseller or you know someone who just got their first zombie book published, will tell you the same thing. You just got to keep trying. You know, it's like the they, they and writers always say that, and you're like, oh, that's really cliche. But you've got to persevere. Like if you believe in what you've done, and that's the case with any of the creative arts. You know, you got to just keep trying. You can't give up on yourself. All right, now let's talk a little bit about the author of the Z word. Uh, beyond zombies, you are also one of the biggest yard sailors I know. Uh, I would say at least 95% of your house is based on purchased yard sale pieces. Uh, what would you say is the most bizarre thing you've ever gotten while yard sailing? Wow, the most bizarre. I think that I'd have to go with our both of our favorite items, the day that, that we both found a Pee Wee Herman doll. <laughs> and we each found them. I mean, I, you know, you came with me that one time. We went, well, we go a lot, but you went and we both saw them at the same time. And it was like, there's two Pee Wee dolls. And I let, it was near your birthday. It was near <laughs> his birthday, everybody. So I let him buy the better one. And the better <laughs> one had a jacket. Mine... <laughs> Which is, I can look at from here is, is not wearing a jacket. Yes, he is. He is shirtless, and it's awkward. You know. So I mean, out of all the things I've bought, and I've got some stuff that I love. There's just you know, you look at that, and I mean, at least some people will look at will walk in my house and be like, "That is creepy." There's a peewee doll, and he does. He already has a really creepy smile on his face, and his cheeks are much rosier than they should be. <laughs> I don't know if someone put makeup on them. Does yours have the, is yours that rosy I don't, cheek? I don't think mine's as rosy cheek. Yard selling is where you also got, um, and I wish you still had it, but the evil Ernie puppet, oh, yeah. which was possibly the greatest find I've ever seen, but we could have built it. Like we yeah. could have made that puppet. Cause that it was, homemade. it was clearly a homemade Ernie puppet. <laughs> With eyes that were about like frog size, yeah. placed on Kermit's or on uh, Ernie's face, yeah, and they kind of looked another direct each <laughs> like away from each other a little bit. So that was creepy. <laughs> I did, you know, I bought that because it was so creepy and strange, and I knew that there were so many creepy and strange people in the studio back then that would have played with it that I brought it, and it definitely served its purpose. It was worth its price. It was worth the. <laughs> nickel that i believe it <laughs> and probably it probably cost them even less to make it that's how terrible it was <laughs> and he had that odd talent of eating his own face yeah where did where did you even discover that you could make that particular puppet eat its own face without any know. issue who knows where the strange <laughs> things that i come up with come from they're just, they're just there you know uh and you were also the person who got me into the marx brothers um, I had, I had checked out Duck Soup out of curiosity because I'd heard it was one of the funniest movies ever made. And, uh, I had told you that I saw it and really liked it. And you were the one that was like, oh, you got to see Animal Crackers and you got to see, you know, this one and this one. And now I have two Marx Brothers box sets of all their movies. So, you know, I think you owe me a couple hundred dollars. <laughs> Listen, if you didn't get them on sale, that's your problem. <laughs> Now, no, I, I love the Marx Brothers. Groucho is probably one of my, like, out of all the comedians that I've liked, he's probably one of my inspirations, because I always loved how straight-faced he was, you know, and he always had those really clever lines, and I, I wish that I could come up with a couple that clever, but I can't. My favorite is um, 
outside of a dog, a book is a man's best friend. Inside of a dog, it's too dark to read. <laughs> That's always been my favorite of his, even though he has tons. Uh, well, and you, I think you influenced. I know you influenced me. I think you influenced a lot of people, including uh, past guest Chris Pierre Domenico, into pursuing the careers that we pursue, um, and just the things that we like. I would have never, ever seen the movie Harold and Maude had it not been for for your class. And now it's my favorite movie of all time, and it's a film that I share with other people. Um, what are what are some of those things that you want to share with our viewers, movies or books or, or bands that if they've never seen or heard them, they should actively track down? That's a tough question. I mean, the movie, definitely Harold and Maude. If, you, if anyone's listening to this and hasn't seen that, you've got to see it. You know, I mean, that, that movie influences people's lives, you know, especially if you watch it at the right time in your life. But I think overall, you got to watch it. And easily tying into Harold Amott is Cat Stevens as a musician. If you haven't listened to him, like, you know, I know everybody knows the song Wild World. Like, oh, yeah. you know, everybody knows that song. And if you don't, when you, if you download it or Google it right now and listen to it, you, you'll be like, oh, yeah, I do know that song. Yeah. But, I mean, he has so many great songs, and, and they were all in the soundtrack. But, uh, of Harold Maude. But, wow, books. That's a tough one. Let me just look around. And yeah, we're surrounded I'll, by I'll your pretend, books. I'll pretend to continue talking as if I'm thinking when I'm just looking at books. It's tough because, I mean, I've loved so many books. I think, um, let's think. One of the ones that people wouldn't think of. Oh, Being There by Jerry Lee Kaczynski. Did you ever hear of that one? No. Uh, it was also a movie. Also, I was going to say, was Peter Sellers was the Peter Sellers movie, yeah. Uh, outstanding book it's about this man whose name is chance and he he seems like you know he's either he he's been brought up oddly or he's socially he's like he's socially different let's say and he wakes up or he wakes up one day to find that the rich man who's taken care of him his whole life is dead and his lawyers are there and, are, and they basically kick him out of the house and all he knows about the world is television he's the only thing he knows about anything is what he's seen on television he has lived he's completely been a recluse he's help the old man in his life and that's it and watch TV. So his idea of life is that he walks out of that. He, he just assumes that something's going to happen to him. Yeah. You know, because that's how it works in television because it's a 30 minute show or an hour show. I mean, they, that's what you learn from it is that something else will happen. Yeah. And even though life's not usually like that, he goes out and assumes life will happen and it kind of does for him. And it's neat because everybody thinks he's this brilliant man. And really he's just one of the most simple people you'll ever see in in either movies or books so i'd say being there was a great one when you've also given me uh book wise you gave me perks of being a wallflower which for you know an 11 uh, 11th grade student was the book that got me to actually want to read like it, it was it was something that i recommend every high school student read that book um you got me into king dork yeah uh i'm trying to think what the um Yard selling, you got me to buy uh, The Alchemist and The Stranger. Yeah, those are both, both good ones. were incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I could see that. I, I think that Perks is... De- I agree. Everyone, every high school person should read that. I mean, everyone. Because I, I really think it's... And I've had a couple English teachers rip me a new one for saying this. I really think Perks of Being a Wallflower is the modern-day catcher in the rye. You know, and when I said it... I said it in a meeting and I got, I mean, I was yelled at and I mean, people were horrified that I said it, but now I think that some teachers would be willing to admit it because 
you, you know, you're starting to see it, even though it has a lot of stuff that doesn't belong in a, in a book that you read for school. Yeah. I mean, you're seeing it all over the place now. And some schools are adding it to their reading list, you know, even though there's sex, even though there's drinking, there's drugs, you know, like even though those things are there, they're still adding it because they're realizing that it is the modern day catcher in the rye, in my yeah. opinion. And I think King Dork also carries a lot of that, which is ironic because King Dork is a book about, I, what I like about King Dork is that it's a book about Catcher in the Rye and this guy making fun of Catcher in the Rye and the people who are obsessed with it and hold it on this pedestal. But the more you read it, the more you realize this character is is Holden Caulfield. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's like, like it's, and the fact that it was written by Frank Porter or Frank Portman. Portman, yeah. Who's beforehand was only known as the lead singer of the band, the Mr. T Experience. That was pretty much unknown to most people, except for like diehard punk music fans from the nineties. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's surreal. It's surreal how many musicians lately have been proving to be really good authors, mm-hmm. especially when you wouldn't think of it based on the music that you heard from them. <laughs> and I love Mr. T Experience. I'm not trashing on them at all, but listening to their music, I never would have thought that he would write a book like that. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if there. Uh, I mean, well, since we're talking about horror, we should yeah. talk about a horror book or two. I would go with. Do you ever read House of Leaves? No, everyone recommends this book. To House me. of Leaves. I mean, I, there are parts of it I love and parts of it I hate, but um, but the the horror aspect of it. I mean, it really starts to freak you out. You know, like there are certain parts where they're going into these rooms. That's. I mean, it's. I'm not going to talk about it a lot, but, you know, a photographer and his wife buy a house. They've got all these cameras set up and suddenly new rooms start appearing in the house and they don't understand where they're coming from. And people go into them and never come out. And I mean, the rooms, when they go into these places, I mean, I was really I was legitimately freaked out at least a couple times from that book. And I know a lot of people who read it. And I mean, it's a it's a thick book, but it is it is intense. And it's not just about the story. It's also the way they laid it out. Like if you look at it, even if you just flip through, you see all these pages where you know, maybe the font's smaller or it's upside down or it's almost mirror image. Yeah. And these things, as simple as they look when you flip through, like they are directly related to the story and it starts to freak you out a little bit. So horror-wise, I would say House of Leaves. Uh, it's, I think it's Mark Daniel Lewski or something like that. It's great. Daniel there's, Lewski, maybe. There's a book that I had read once um, and I need to finish it. It's part of a two-part series and I only read the first part called um, Mayhem. I, or no, not Mayhem. Um Oh my god, I can't remember. I know the second one's called Havoc, but it's a kind of a kid's novel, and it's about these kids who read this comic book that the story is if you say this like chant while you're reading the comic book, you will get sucked into the comic book, and it's like a Tales from the Crypt type comic book. That sounds neat. Um, And they kill you inside the book. Like, you die inside the book. You either have to survive for, like, three weeks inside the book, or you get killed. Like, it's kind of like Stay Tuned, Mm -hmm. which I'm sure is not what the author wants people to compare it to. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think anyone wants to talk about Stay Tuned. But what's cool is that whenever, you know, obviously they're not going to do a comic book strictly on that character. It just kind of is, like, little vignettes. Mm -hmm. So you'll just be reading the book, and it shows you, whenever it's a part that would actually appear in the comic book instead of being written it's drawn as the comic book. Oh, that's cool. Throughout the and I was like this is really cool cuz you understand from where the perspective is where someone else is reading it knowing that it's their friend in there and not knowing what their friend's fate is because it'll just cut off 
randomly, and then it continues the story from where they stopped appearing in the comic, and their friend who's reading it has no clue what happened to them from that point. That sounds intense. It was pretty intense. For a kid's book, it was really intense. Um, I don't know why I keep thinking it's... It it might be called Mayhem, actually, but uh, I know the second book is called Havoc, uh, for sure, for show. Um, (laughs) Well, thank you for coming by, Dennis. Uh, the book is The Z Word, mm-hmm. um, Living Dead Press, and you can find it on Amazon.com. Is there anywhere else, or is that... No, that's it right now, and you can get it for Kindle, too, which is cool. And you can like us on Facebook, because uh, we're going to do a book signing soon, where you can actually come and listen to me talk about stupid things again. If if you enjoyed <laughs> this show, then there you go. Yeah, be sure to tell them that you you know heard them on the St. Mort show, so I know that I have a listener. Oh my gosh, I would be shocked. <laughs> uh, I ho- hopefully you'll be there, and I can say, oh, would you like to meet the, meet the host? And they'd probably say no, and, or scream and run away. <laughs> I'll be there in a tuxedo. Uh, <laughs> not a tuxedo shirt, like a t-shirt? No, like legit tuxedo, okay. I think. I'll, I'll spot you from far away, though. All right, uh, we'll be right back after this commercial break. Hey, this is St. Mort. I just want to thank you all for listening and supporting the podcast for these first couple episodes. Feel free to friend us or fan us on Facebook. Uh, There is a fan page. And also follow me on Twitter. Uh, Send me ats. I do respond to almost every Twitter message I get. Um, And I want to make a promise to you guys. I know the last couple episodes, the fake commercials, have been really, really lacking. And I promise that from this episode on, these commercials will be better produced and higher quality But I know right now, you just want to get to the musical guest. So now, without any further ado or distraction, my good friend, Misfit.
All right, thank you so much. Uh, I'm here with Misfit, a.k.a. Chris Lawrence, a uh, longtime friend of mine. What's up? Uh, now, Chris has been a friend of mine since I had heard of you before I'd actually met you. Um, at the time, me and my friend Shrop were running a record company called Below the Radar Records, and one of the bands on the label was committed, and they were playing a show with you guys in Philly, and I wasn't able to go because of work. But uh, Shroff went, and after the show, he was like, I was like, well, how did I commit it to? And he's like, they do all right. We sold a few CDs. He's like, there was this one band, though, Wake the Sleeper. He's like, fucking awesome. He's like, their lead singer is, like, incredible. And I was like, really? And he goes, yeah, and he was a big fucking comic book geek. We were talking about <laughs> comics for, like, an hour. Yeah. And then we found out, it was like a week later, we mm-hmm. found out that you guys were playing at Westchester with Committed, and that's when I got to meet you. And we kind of hit it, you and I hit it off almost immediately, oh, yeah, just completely. talking about stupid shit. And, <laughs> of course. Um, <laughs> and uh, one of the, you know, one of the common things from when I talk to people, uh, and I'm like, yeah, Chris is awesome. I'm like, oh, really? Because he's kind of, he, you know, he talks so much. I'm like, listen, if you get him to talk about something besides his band, it'll be the greatest conversation you've ever had. In your That's life. the problem. Like everybody, <laughs> everybody I have am friends with, is all like band related. So everybody just talks music. And there's only so much I can take. Yeah, but once we get you on a topic like comic books or video games or or mo- horror movies, it's all over. Like, oh, all bets are off. And that's what you, you and I used to talk about online for hours. We would just talk about random movie stuff. Yeah. And I think I might have been one of the first people that you started sending the rap tracks to. Oh, yeah. You actually were the first person that sent the rap tracks to. The only person besides you that heard the stuff before was uh, Echo the Dawn, who is the guy that helped produce me. Yeah, and I was blown away. I, I I was shocked at what I was hearing because I didn't. The choruses were definitely you. Yeah, of course. And then <laughs> you like, the do a verses, course. I was like, I don't think this is Chris. Like, I like there was like that first like minute or two. Where I'm like, I never in all the years that I heard this kid do this Coheed and Cambria style mm-hmm. post hardcore rock band, never knew that he could actually flow. And that he actually came up, like, the lyrics that you would send me are so funny and mixed with dark. Like, <laughs> that's that's me. <laughs> um, now, the guest that was just on was Dennis Finicaro, uh, writer of The Z Word. Ah, and cool. you have a zombie trilogy. Yes, I do. The Z Day trilogy. Uh, now, is there any intention of there being a CD released? Or right now, is it just kind of online stuff? Well, right now it's online because you can't. It's hard to find a record deal. True. It's hell in hip hop. It's hard to find a show, <laughs> especially with nerdcore, because like a lot of artists tend to just keep to themselves a lot. Like you try to help, you know, you try like, hey, what's up? Yeah. I just want like I sent out a couple feelers to some nerdcore artists and just as a critique, yeah. and I've yet to get anything back. So I'm just like, whatever. I feel like you. I feel like it's a disservice to you. To put you in the nerdcore category. Thank you. And, it, it, and I'm not saying that to trash, trash on nerdcore because I love nerdcore hip hop. I, I was actually yesterday was listening to MC Frontalot's Nerdcore Rising, and it's a perfect CD. Dude, I love Frontalot. But the thing is, the style of hip hop that you do versus Frontalot or MC Chris or MC Lars, like all of those bands, Optimus Rhyme, like they mm-hmm. all sound similar to this kind of post-punk laptop hip-hop sound yeah where yours is definitely coming from more of a 
if anything, a horrorcore <laughs> sound. It's really, really dark. Um, and I think that might also, like, I wouldn't really even label you as a nerdcore rapper. I think you're a horrorcore rapper who raps about nerd things. I guess, like, <laughs> and, and the funny thing is, like, some people, when they hear me talk normally, and then they hear me rap, they're like, it's totally different people because that North Jersey in me comes out. <laughs> a little bit of street comes out. Well, and that's the thing. Like, you, um, you know, you're rapping about zombies and you're rapping about video games and comic yeah. books. And, you know, you clearly take a lot of pride in being the nerd or being the geek. But uh, I'd hate to put it this way, but the way you put it out there is much more intimidating. Uh, like, you know, you listen to, like, MC Front a lot, and it's kind of like, yo, man, nerd is, like, the new thing. You want to join our yeah. sides, and then your stuff's kind of like, fuck you, fur. <laughs> like, well, like, I, I'm legit. Uh, you're fucking a fake. Well, well, it's just, like, I've had so many things dealing with certain friends that were into certain things, and then all of a sudden they just do a complete 180 on you. Well, one of the best lines I think I've ever seen you write um, – you, you talk about zombie fans and how they talk about Italian zombie flicks that they would have never heard of if it wasn't for Juno. Oh, shit. Oh, oh the unreleased track. Uh, and that line, I was like, that line's fucking brilliant. No need for synthetics? Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Oh, God. Oh, oh, man. I'm trying to remember it now. <laughs> you think you're big shit, now you're repping the core. Walking around all proud with your, bit, with your 500 gamer score. Talking like you know about zombies and gore, sucking Romero's dick so much that you got mouth sores. <laughs> How you love H.G. Lewis and Argento. You never knew who they fucking were until you saw Juno. Oh, how I'd love to put a drill through your head. Lucio Fulci style. Watch you get raped by the living dead. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. Not that the most welcoming nerdcore sounds. Well, well, that was... Well, when I started writing that... That was one of the first ones that, that, that actually, you ever pitched to yeah, me. Yeah, it's unreleased right now because I'm try I was trying to find a copy of it so I can re-record it. Yeah. Because I recorded it before with a Guitar Hero mic. I have the original copy. There you go. There you go. <laughs> there you go. You have some weird shit I forgot I even did. Well, that was... I was going to bring that up. You... Uh, rap isn't the only thing you do. You still do Wake the Sleeper. Yes, Wake the Sleeper. We're actually back together. We're finishing... Um, the author and the victim. So the, will this one finally have, um, was it of Monsters and Martyrs you didn't record on that four-track demo I got? We have of Monsters and Martyrs. We just started writing a new song. Well, we're putting I can never, I always get the titles confused. What's the one that's like, we're, he's not coming home to Oh, that's the Critics', critics, oh, that's critics Choice. choice. You're you not coming home to him tonight. You didn't re-record Critics' Choice when you did that four-track demo thing, and I was so pissed because that's my favorite song. Uh, we re-recorded we, we it because, well, we have better guitar players now. Yeah. Well, we added a better guitar player. <laughs> and Tony and Ryan just go crazy. Like, if you come see us live, you'll know what I'm talking about. Is that the one where they do... What's the song that they do, the guitars behind each other? Doing guitars, that's Critics' Choice. Oh, so uh, we also just wrote a new song called Purgatory, which is funny because we wrote it as a pop song, <laughs> but then we put a breakdown in it, and Kevin does like a blue man group type thing. Nice. So, And the funny thing, it's a, it's a happy song about basically miserying somebody. Well, and what I like about <clears throat> Wake the Sleeper is that to a certain extent, it's almost like a, um, it's almost like a super group, but it's like, <laughs> really? but it's like a super group of guys who play music completely different than what Wake the Sleeper is. Like when you're not doing Wake the Sleeper, you're doing this hardcore, 
Horrorcore slash nerdcore hip hop. When oh. Kevin's not drumming and wake to sleep, or he's drumming in a band like Proven Worth, that's like a super pop punky band. <laughs> like, it feels like none of the musicians in this band. And Ryan's in a hardcore metal band. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, none of you guys in your other bands do stuff like wake to sleep, or like, it's almost just like you all had this common taste in music and you had other projects going on but like you are yeah. like no let's get together and do like this because this this is something that is just as equally artistically pleasing as the other stuff that we're doing but it's completely different and i think oh yeah completely. i mean you look at like someone like travis barker he yeah. does like blink 182 and stuff like that but then he does like his solo album or the transplants that's a completely different drumming style and i'm sure it's a relief for him to be able to do something like the Transplants, it's kind of just like a steady hip-hop beat instead of always having yeah. to be the guy that's doing the fastest drum fills possible. My, my feeling is if you do the same thing over and over and over again, you get burned out quick. Yeah. Like, I mean, I loved when I when I first started music with Five Days Ahead. I loved it. It was great. But after a while, writing the emo songs about girlfriends, I couldn't do anymore. Yeah. Like, there's just a point where you just have to leave things behind. Where you just have to grow up. Yeah. I guess you could say. Like, Five Days Ahead, I look at it as like my high school stuff. I mean, it was great. I loved it. But now with Wake the Sleeper, it's more artistic. A lot more story-based. Like, the Misfit stuff. Um, some of the new stuff coming out eventually. Yeah. I'm working actually with Kevin from Wake the Sleeper on it. It's going to be a whole concept album. Nice. Called you, love, you love concept albums. I, I love stories. <laughs> I love concept albums. A lot of my favorite rappers, a lot of my favorite bands are all concept related. Like you got Rush, Coheed, um, from Story Base. You got Del the Funky Homo Sapien with Deltron 3030. Yeah. Um, Mr. Lift with I Phantom. Like I love a lot of the concept stuff. Cause... Or even hip hop <clears throat> artists, like not so much a concept album, but like you have someone like like Atmosphere, who the more you listen to, you you know oh. him. You know his story. Oh, I love that. Based on, and I mean, when life gives you lemons, is just a series of short stories about fictional characters, right? And they're written in a way that you literally believe these characters are people, right? <laughs> like that's one thing I'm sort of proud about with the Wake the Sleeper stuff, and well, now with Renfield coming out eventually, yeah. I'm still working on it. <laughs> Don't give me a time frame, please. That's all right. Yeah. So like. It's hard to have character development a lot. Yeah. Like, when I first started doing concept albums, I was writing stories and all that. And I really, really got into the works of Joss Whedon. And from that, I learned a lot more about character development. Like, maybe you can make this person do this. Make this person... Like, in The Wake the Sleeper stuff, the author and victim, Wesley Kane's not only a war hero, he's an alcoholic. He has problems with drugs. He has a lot of problems, like, trying to hide his past. And a lot of it comes back to bite him in the ass. Like, there's a lot of character development there, and it's weird because it's five characters and I develop them over one album. <laughs> are you uh, Are you going to go the... Do you have any intention, I guess I should ask, of going the route of Coheed and Cambria where if Wake the Sleeper gets signed and you're touring, would you do a book or a comic book to further... I've actually been writing... the stories? I've actually been writing a novel because there's a lot with five characters... Yeah. And I had the idea to write a novel before, like way back, just thinking, okay, what can I do with this? What can I do with that? And I just kept going into backstory, and there's no way I could fit that on one album. And I didn't yeah. want to go the Coheed and Cambria route of having seven three, albums yeah, seven albums of the same thing. My band would kill me. 
I, I, one shot stories. One shot stories. I like that a lot better because I think sometimes they're more memorable. Well, and that's the thing. I like for someone like me, but I I know only a few Coheed and Cambria songs here and there, and it it feels awkward. It it's tough to want to get into a band where you feel like you've got to make like a five CD commitment <laughs> to this band. <laughs> well, well, the big thing about what I'm proud of with the Wake Sleeper with the Wake the Sleeper album so far is every song can stand on its own and it's all about a different thing. Yeah. Which is really cool. And but if you put them all together, it tells this big huge story. See, and that's cool. Like there are certain cuz there's bands like um like a group like Me Without You who I absolutely love. You take their first album and like if you play just an individual track to someone for that from that album, yeah. they don't appreciate it the way if you sit down and you listen to those t- 12 tracks and you realize, like, oh, my God, this is just one giant poem that just keeps going. Oh, yeah. Then you're like, oh, my God, this is brilliant. But if you just listen to, like, one song, you're like, this is just a guy screaming over top of yeah. music. <laughs> that, that's like a lot, like, uh, the Protest the Hero album, uh, Fortress, mm-hmm. and Kaziah. Like, you hear one song, you're like, okay. But you hear the whole album, you're like, whoa. And I think that's <clears throat> one of the things that um, is also hurting record companies, again, is that... You look at like stuff like record companies aren't doing anything to help record sales. They complain that the record sales are low, but they're not, you know, I, I once heard someone say, I'd rather see us go back to the 50s style of music where artists just release singles. They release an A-side, B-side single for like $2 so that you're getting, you're going out and you're buying $2 on a product yeah. you know is worth purchasing <clears throat> as opposed to hearing one song on the radio and going, oh, yes, I want to make a commitment yeah. to the other 23 songs on this CD. Because that's the problem. Like, a lot of bands, a lot of artists will have that one song that you love and then the rest of the album is filler. Like, and that's the other thing is that the guy was talking about with the single days, all they need to do is write the song. They didn't have to think in the concept of we need at least 13 songs. They could just focus on what song was important to them and work it out and perfect it and release it. Right. Instead of like, okay, these are the three that are really important. We need to write 10 more songs in the next month to make sure that this album has 13 tracks so that the label's happy. Right. Like, I think the fans of like our stuff and the fans of Coheed and all those other ba- and all the other bands that are like us... Have I mean, a loyalty to the they story. They have a loyalty and also... You hear that one song, it hooks you, and you listen to the rest of the album. Well, nowadays with MySpace and like they have the listening parties, yeah, and iTunes and stuff like that, you could check out a couple other tracks and make that decision. I mean, the record industry is mad about the whole internet thing, you know, mad about how people can download stuff and BitTorrent stuff. But here's the thing: you're you're overpricing your CDs like crazy. Half of them aren't that good to begin with. Well, people the, are going to download. The example that I heard, uh, not related to music, was um, on the Nerdist podcast. Uh, Jonah Ray was talking about how he went to Borders. A Borders was closing, and they were doing <clears> like forty or fifty percent off all the books. So he grabbed every book that he wanted, and then he took out his his phone and he checked <laughs> all the books on Amazon. And with the exception of one of them, every single book he was holding was still cheaper on Amazon while Borders was putting the 50% off. He goes, that's how overpriced these things are, and that's why these stores are closing. Right. If they just accept the fact that, okay, if we lower these prices, we'll be losing money at first, but people are going to go, all right, it's $10 to buy it at Borders. 
it's nine dollars plus three dollars shipping and handling online. I'll just spend, you know, it's and, and cheaper Amazon, and no, and I get it immediately. Yeah. I don't have to wait for it. <laughs> and also Amazon.com like lets you try out Amazon Prime for a month, and then you can cancel it and you can keep doing that as many times as you want. Yeah, and you can get it within two days. <laughs> well, that's how like my uh, my buddy got a, my buddy found a loophole to get free Xbox Live. Oh yes, where he found out that if he went to Kmart. They had a deal, I think it was Kmart or Walmart, one of those places had like a buy an Xbox game and get two free months of Xbox Live. And he found out that it worked as well for like the shitty $5 bin Mm -hmm. game. So he would just every two months buy a $5 game from Walmart and get two months worth of Xbox Live for five bucks. And then return the game. Now he'd keep the game. He's got a collection oh, of the God. worst games Ooh. ever. Viva Pinata. <laughs> Ouch. I think he bought uh, Bejeweled Blitz, so that's like a fun game. Bejeweled Blitz, yeah. I, I thought you were about talking, and I, th- I thought you were talking about Blitz the League. I was like, yeah. All right, well, that is all the time we have for. Uh, where can people go to check out the songs? ReverbNation.com backslash MisfitNXC and MySpace.com backslash Wake the Sleeper PA. I may make a. Reverb Nation page for Wake the Sleeper. If I do, I will give the link up at the show. All right. Thank you. Uh, Chico's Vibe. Play us out.